0: Lots to break down with Vaughn Palmer this morning for the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn.
1: Hey, good morning, Simi. And I'm listening to your news reports on the StatsCan population figures. And I was just thinking, talk about a good news, bad news story for the provincial government. The good news is British Columbia, of course, is a magnet for yeah. Canadians and for visitors or arrivals from other countries. Uh, that isn't quite the story. The last time the New Democrats were in power in the 90s, you had people leaving B.C. at one point. So fabulous news, and the government rightly can boast that uh, it's made B.C. uh, an even more attractive place to live. The flip side, of course, as you know, is where the hell are all these people going to live? We're not building enough housing for them, and that's a huge challenge for the government. But, uh, you know, uh, as I say, it's also a good news story for the government.
0: Is that also why you would have somebody like David Eby in charge of that, is we need to get this done?
1: Absolutely. Look, uh, we got the throne speech yesterday. There was a kind of grudging admission in it that the new Democrats haven't made nearly enough progress on housing affordability, even though they've done a lot of things. Uh, The number that they used in the throne speech was 85,000 people came to B.C. just in the first three quarters of last year. So it'd be 100,000 for sure. Uh, And they said, yeah, uh, the big problem is the housing supply and we have to do something about it. Now, what are they going to do about it? You're right. David Eby is in charge. The throne speech has the government still committed to working with local government to expedite housing approvals. I don't think there's anybody out there that thinks that's going to be enough. Certainly not David Eby. He's talking about legislation to start pushing approvals through using provincial government powers but that isn't coming this spring. That legislation will be in the fall. So, you know, the, the throne speech, it's true. Th- Simi is the government agenda for the entire year. But there's some stuff that this government's going to be doing. and We're not going to see it until the fall.
0: Right. What I found about the throne speech was it just it, there didn't seem to be a whole lot that was new in here. It just seemed like a very kind of stay-the-course
1: throne speech. You know, I think that's fair comment. Particularly, you know, you've got a government that's uh, into the fifth year of its time in office, the second year of the last mandate at won in the fall of 2020. There's nothing in the legislature to hold them up anymore. They've got a majority, and the majority is over the moon about Premier John Horgan. So why was the throne speech mostly a recap? Capitulation of stuff they did in the past a kind of a reheating of past promises where you can point to things here and there that are a bit of a tweak even those even some of those were flagged before so um is it because the government's been preoccupied with the pandemic okay well that would be legitimate it is because the premier's been looking after his personal health for the last few months that would be understanding as well but when you add it all up there's not an awful lot of news in this throne speech
0: No, there isn't too, but I guess you just don't really know what's going to happen this year. Maybe they gave up trying to predict what was going to happen in a year.
1: That's a good point. You know, I went back over the the first two throne speeches we got from the New Democrats after they won the majority in the fall of 2020. So the first throne speech in December and the second one in March of 2021, sorry, April of 2021, both of those proclaimed that the end was in sight on the pandemic. So the first one was in the middle of the second wave. The second one was in the middle of the third wave, still to come, Delta and Omicron. Maybe they learned their lesson about premature victory laps. They're going to leave it to Dr. Bonnie Henry, and they're not going to say the end is in sight this time.
0: And no economic plan.
1: Well, again, you know, I, uh, they announced, the Premier announced, and he, he trumpeted it when he talked to reporters later, there's a big economic plan an economic vision for the future of British Columbia coming next week. And... Uh, You know, it took the Liberals a long time to acknowledge that they've lost the election. But this, to me, is a bit of an example of the New Democrats being reluctant to announce they won the elections. Uh, An economic plan in year five, and just a plan, by the way, you're not actually getting implementation right away. Uh, What have they been working on since uh, the summer of 2017 when they took office? Have they just been making it up as they go along? I think... It's a little late to be expecting the public to get excited that you're going to be getting an economic plan coming next week.
0: Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see what the plan says, too. Um, also, this com- com- combining of ministries. Uh, so, this was c- pretty big, and we're going to be talking about it a little later on the show, too.
1: Yeah, so there's you know, there's an old kind of observation about politics, which is that when governments get stuck, they reorganize. And <laughs> That's a good one, you, though. you got a major reorganization announced yesterday. So we're going to get a brand new standalone ministry. They're breaking up the forest ministry and taking out all the land and resources stuff and making that as a new standalone ministry. So that's a major reorganization. According to John Horgan, the bureaucracy has been working on it all year. So like 12 months of hard work. And I'm sure the bureaucracy has been working hard, but it's not going to be clear like a new ministry, wow, that's exciting. And they and then they're taking all the child care programs and they're removing them from the Ministry of Children and Family Development and they're putting them in the education ministry because child care is now kind of early education for children. So okay, I get it. But reorganizing the government takes enormous amounts of time and resources and it often Simi, me means that those ministries don't get a hell of a lot else done because they're busy reorganizing moving files and programs and making sure everything adds up and all that so i don't see that as being a sign that the government's on top of things i see it more of a sign of a government that's going on oh, we don't really know what to do about this so let's reorganize it Hmm,
0: okay. And question 2, talking about the housing supply issue, what was this cooling
1: off period? So this is something that the the finance ministry actually announced or indicated she thought was a good idea last year and it does make sense. So we get these frenzy bidding wars oh, yeah, for crazy. new housing. People, yeah, they, they waive inspections, they go way over the asking price, and they get you know stuck with a, some housing that may not be great. So in order to cool those frenzied bidding wars, the government is going to bring in a cooling-off period that effectively will legislate a backing-out period for bidders. So you bid, your bid gets accepted, but you get a chance to back out if you have second thoughts or, you know, maybe you do do an inspection, right? Makes sense. I've also heard, however, from people in the industry that it will have unintended consequences. And one of those is that, uh, is that the people who are selling their place are probably also buying another place, unless they're leaving British Columbia and people aren't doing that. So those people will be on the hook um, for being able to close the deal on their new place because the deal hasn't been closed yet on the old place. So this will add to stress. It will force people to go get those insurance policies that they have to buy uh, to, to bridge finance And it may create a cascade effect through the housing market. Uh, The combined effect may be to depress uh, some of the escalation in prices, but the housing market is complicated. And as I said, I've been told that this may have unintended consequences as well.
0: The thing is, though, Vaughn, being in that bidding process is incredibly stressful already. Like, I've talked to so many people who say it's just too much for them. Like, it's just, it's overwhelming.
1: Yeah, No, it is. Um, how much effect will this have? I think when David Eby finally takes on the local governments and the NIMBY forces out there, will have a much greater effect on the housing supply. Yes, this measure by the government will have some effect on demand, but... There's an awful lot of work to be done here. I don't know how much progress you can make on housing affordability when, as I say, 100,000 people think British Columbia is a hell of a place to live, and they don't have a place to live.
0: And also, what about the family doctor situation?
1: So they mentioned that, too, an interesting acknowledgement. They said that not enough British Columbians have family doctors. Well, this problem, and we talked about it recently, has really been roiling the provincial capital region because you've had family doctors leaving, and you've had some walk-in clinics closing and a real shortage underscored here of family doctors. So what are we going to do about it? Well, the throne speech repeated that primary care clinics and urgent care clinics are the answer. I Again, I've heard from people that need a family doctor who think that isn't the solution and it's causing problems for them. Uh, the other thing is, uh, well, Ottawa needs to step up and make a greater contribution right. to financing. Look, the provincial government's right about that, right? The federal government, healthcare started off as a 50-50 proposition, and it's now like 80-20 with the provinces paying most of the, of the money. All the provinces agree on this, but again, what kind of leverage do they have persuading a federal government that was just re-elected and that has, doesn't have majority, a majority in parliament, but it has majority support in parliament, how do you persuade that government that they should basically ship more cash to the provinces, which will then take credit for improving yeah, health care? Right. And all Ottawa gets stuck with is the bill and having to take on more debt or raise taxes. So true. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye. Sim.